I tell you what, why don't y'all give a hand to Dr. Jeffcoat uh, and really all of our doctors in the house. I know some of them are like, oh, don't, don't worry about me. I know Dr. Mark Philippi, I don't need that. But anyway, we need, we need to be praying for our, our doctors because, you know, they are in positions to, to truly minister. Uh, you know, whether you call it, you know, the, uh, just the counseling aspects that Ben talked about uh, or, you know, the physicality of, of healing. Uh, ben and I had lunch, interestingly, uh, over the summer, and we were talking about this very thing. And, you know, one thing that I even think we should pray for doctors is not just that they can heal, but, you know, there's that classic movie. It was in the 80s or 90s, you know, but it's like Alec Baldwin's a doctor, and, you know, he thinks he's God. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, some of y'all, y'all probably don't remember it all. But anyway, he's like, I am God. And, uh, but Ben and I were talking about that very thing. Like, sometimes doctors can get so kind of, you know, well, I'm the healing agent, and then they see another case, and they're really humbled. So it's got to be just a roller coaster ride. I mean, I say that because, you know, we're, we're lifting up people in our congregation. We're lifting up professions, and our doctors need our prayers and our love. So doctors, thank you, Ben, thank you. And uh, it ties into what we're talking about, that your life matters. You don't have to be a doctor or a lawyer or a businessman or an artist. Whatever you do, if you call yourself a Christian, if you say, you know, I'm saved, then there is a great purpose for your life that may mean you become a pastor, minister, or missionary, but may not. And whether it is a doctor or another profession, you can be a healing agent for Christ. This series we have called Working for a Living. And the theme verses are, are really two. The first being Matthew 28, 19, which we talk about over and over again. Jesus says, go and make disciples. And we say that really means the go in Greek as you go. So as you go, youth to school. As you go to the Friday night football game or the Saturday college game. As you go to the soccer match with our children. As you go in your work, we show Christ. We give Christ. We are healing agents. Why? Because John fourteen six, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So if we claim Jesus, we say we're saved, that means He is now our life. He has taken over our life. Our life should emanate Christ. And of course there's sin, and of course there are things that hold us back, and of course there are challenges. But Jesus overcame, and with Him in our hearts, we can overcome too. And we can be His agents, His missionaries in every aspect of our life. So that's, that's been what we've been talking about. And you know we've talked about how God allows us to be a creator, how we cultivate, we're always cultivating something. And last week we talked about your call. And yes, if you're Christian, everyone has a call. There is a call on your life. If you accept the call of Christ, then you are, are called to go out in the world. You may not be exactly certain and specific of what that call is, but the Holy Spirit will lead you and fulfill the call and the destiny for your life. I, I totally believe that. With all of you. And I see a lot of people struggling with their call, like, oh, should I be pastor, missionary? Just start where you are, pray, be humble, God will lead you. Today we're closing the series, and I kind of titled the sermon, or I did title the sermon, Culture Makers. That not only can you create, not only do you cultivate, not only you're called, but each of us individually has the capacity to make culture. Some of you may be saying, what are you talking about? Culture. Well, think first, what is culture in and of, of itself? What is a culture? Some folks would say, you know, the culture in general of the world, of today, 
21st century, it's like, you know, going to hell in a handbasket. I mean, you see conflict and strife, you know, you see things on the internet, you know, all of that, you know, bad stuff, and you say, man, it's just going down, it's going down the tubes. Uh, others might say culture is getting more and more uh, progressive or better, you know, we got all this technology, you know, got the new iPhone, can, can do anything, and, you know, people are, you know, more countries are experiencing freedom, but then they go to war and... But some would say, hey, it's getting better. The culture all over the world is, is getting better. Uh, some would say our culture in the South uh, is much better than culture in the North. Hey, I would say that. But obviously I'm biased. Many of you would say that. Others would say, hey, the culture in the North, which is very different from the culture in the South, is, you know, I don't know, more efficient or better or whatever you say. Some would say, hey, California culture is better than, I don't know, Florida culture. Each, like, place has a culture. I actually think Jackson... Let me take that. The metro area, as, as an outsider, so I'm saying this is an outsider, but it, it's really a fascinating culture because you've got all these little cultures around the metro area. I mean, you've got, you know, Northeast Jackson, you've got Bellhaven, you've got Fondren, you've got Rankin County, you've got Madison, you've got the whites, you've got the blacks. Used to be real. I mean, you've got all of these, really their own cultures in a, in a pretty small you know, metro area here. And I've always said from day one, I want Bellwether to be a metro church. I think all churches should be a place where cultures can combine and be united under the headship of Christ. Uh, a team can have a culture. Uh, I, I, it hurts me to say this. Some of y'all may not get it at all. Y'all know, I mean, I'm a baseball fan. But uh, the Red Sox this year just have, they totally changed their team culture. The last two years were disastrous. They got a new manager. He came in, and as I watch baseball games, you hear this over and over again. The manager, he changed the culture of the team. It's like there's a new spirit. There's a new camaraderie. Teams have culture. It can be, and I say Red Sox because there's another team in SEC football that has a different culture, and I've, you know, hit on them a lot. Some of y'all, y'all may not even know. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about, and I'm trying not to go there. So Red Sox. Red Sox have a totally different team culture. Our church has a culture. I mean, right here, now, on Sundays, during the week, I don't know, Wednesday night service. You know, what do you think the culture of the church is? Is there uh, a unity in Christ amidst our culture? All churches have a culture. You usually get it and sense it right when you walk through the door. I mean, you can call the culture community, or you can call it, I don't know, highfalutin, or you can call it worship, or, or you can call it mission. There are cultures to a church. There, there's cultures everywhere. And I end today because culture is a big deal, and each of you has the capacity to create a culture uh, each day, uh, each week, each place you go, your place of work, your church, your small group. You, you have that capacity. And the choice that we're confronted with day after day is what is the culture that we are going to build? What is the culture that we're going to make with our lives? And usually if I could just really just, just whittle it down to three things. It's the choice of are we going to be for ourselves? Are we going to be for others? Are we going to be for his kingdom? And that choice that you make has a result in how you work, 
how you live, the, the culture you build in your family, in your church, in your group, in your work. Is it for you? Is it for others? Is it for his kingdom? So let's look at God's word and see this. The, the first one I'd start with, and we're actually going to go from Genesis to Revelation today, uh, all in the next couple minutes. Genesis 11, and a couple verses will, uh, will be up on screen. But the first one is, do you make a decision to be for you? I mean, day to day, week to week, in work. And a lot of say, no, 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 of course not. But as I said at the beginning, after we played the song about the name of the Lord, I mean, so much of our life, I mean, honestly, is about lifting up our name. And you don't have to agree with me. I mean, I'll say that about myself. I mean, I, I struggle with that. I mean, I want the name, you know, John U. Tate to, like, be a good name. Good name for uh, my, my kids, my family, the church I pastor in the community. You know, my, my father said, you know, all you have, you know, from birth to death is your name. What's your name going to be? And much of our life is spent about, you know, our name, our, our family name. You know, who's your people? What's your name mean? And I start in Genesis 11 because we can fall into this trap. And we want to have a good name. We can fall into this trap of being just all about ourselves and, and our name. And Genesis 11, and I'm not going to read all the verses, but it's the story of the Tower of Babel when a lot of people got together and they saw that, hey, we can speak the same language and you know, we now want to just let's build this building to glorify ourselves and our name. And the key verse here is verse 4. And it says, They said, The people come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. They said, Let us make a name for ourselves. Uh, how many of you, how many of us, have said that at some, let me make a name for myself. I want to make a name for myself. Uh, the good councilman, Quentin Whitwell, uh, I don't know if he's here today, but he, he gave a great talk, a devotion at Jay's Chapel, and it was all about uh, your name or, or what's in a name. And he talked about, you know, that we can you know, elevate ourselves and be about our name, you know, or we can be about another name, the name of Jesus. And we see this a lot, especially in sports. I mean, I love sports. A lot of y'all love sports. But, you know, there's certain players that, you know, they're just all about their name, man. I mean, A-Rod, and I'm a Yankees fan, but A-Rod, I mean, just too much, you know. Quite honestly, in my opinion, there's probably John, Johnny Football. I mean, it's all about Johnny Football. I mean, you can just tell. It's like it's their name. It's their deal. I mean, the way they live their life, you know, off the field, it's, it's, it, they're just about their name. And others... You know, more about the team, more about let's be a team together. So I'd ask you today, I mean, who, whose name are you lifting up? I mean, really, truly. Because if we say we're saved, then we want to be lifting up the name of Christ. And look, that's, that's a challenge. I mean, there's sin. Our heart leans towards self-interest. But by coming to church having connections with Christian brothers and sisters. We can be more and more about the, the name of Jesus. We can be more of him and less of us. And I think this passage is also interesting, it, not just because they say let's make a name for themselves, but God sees what they're doing, to paraphrase. He comes down and he changes all their language and confuses them. And often 
Genesis 11 is, you know, taught, taught about that, you know, this is how they were many languages. But it's interesting that if everybody's for their name, then their world gets confused. Because if you're just going around your life and your work and your career trying to lift up your name and you're coming in contact with others that are trying to lift up their name, it, it's going to be confused. It's going to really be a rat race. It's going to be a struggle. And, and this story says that. Those who are for their name, uh, the Lord literally confuses their life and just makes it a mess. The name of the Lord. Humility. Not about us, but to your name be the glory. So the first choice in making a culture, you're coming in, are, are you about yourself? Are the things you do, is it, is it about you? Or is it to give glory and honor to God? A second choice that we face, is it uh, not just for you, but could it be for others? Others, for others. And I want to go to Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, and a couple verses, but uh, the one up on screen is Isaiah 61, verse 1. Because my hope, I mean, for myself, for all of you, is that we would stop, we would lessen being about ourselves and our work and the things that we do in the culture that we live in and start being more for others. And I'll read a verse, verse 1, Isaiah 61. This may sound familiar to some of you. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners. Now, if I just had to highlight this verse, it's saying a couple of things. One, there's a prophet, Isaiah. Jesus uses this verse later. It says, the Spirit of the Lord God, the Holy Spirit, is upon me. The Lord has anointed me. It's kind of what we talked about last week. Called The Lord has called me, has anointed me to do what? To bring good news, the good news of the gospel of Christ, to the oppressed. Those who are burdened, maybe they're burdened by challenges in their work, maybe burdened by challenges in their marriages, in their family. But maybe they think that, you know, man, I just I can't do it anymore. I'm oppressed. The chains are heavy. It's bearing down. And this prophet, it could be one of y'all, could be all of us, we're called to say we're anointed to bring good news to people who are oppressed, to those who are brokenhearted. There's probably at least one broken heart in here this morning. To give good news to those whose hearts are broken. To proclaim liberty to the captives. Amazing grace. My chains are gone. Captive by sin. Release to the prisoners. That God has come in Christ to save us. Rick Warren, uh, I think... Probably everybody here knows who that is. Rick Warren got all this fame with the uh, publication of The Purpose Driven Life. I mean, like, I think it's, you know, the number two or three best-selling book ever. I mean, after the Bible, but it's just crazy how, how much it sold. And he, in a testimony, he says, you know, I was really overwhelmed, and I had a burden. Like, now I have all this fame uh, as a pastor, as a Christian leader, and God, what do you want me to do with that? Because it could be easy to fall in the trap of like elevating my name and, and being, trying to be successful and all this. And 
he said that the Lord directed him to this very verse. And he said, I'm giving you this so you can shine the light on others. He said, I'm elevating you so you can shine the light. He actually phrased it, people in the shadows. Uh, the poor, the needy, the downcast, the brokenhearted, the captives. And he started a ministry, he called it his peace plan, going all over the world uh, to shine the light uh, and the light of Christ on people who are in the shadows, uh, the orphans, uh, people who are you know, just in very broken conditions economically, uh, culturally. And he said, I really believe that God you know, gave me this. Because he said, it's a, you know, it didn't have to happen this way so I could be about others. And now, if you know his story, he just faced just uh, devastating uh, tragedy. Uh, his, one of his sons uh, took his own life. Uh, and I say that this week he was on you know, a TV show and had an interview and for the first time publicly he was really open about that. And yeah, I mean, my heart breaks. I mean, also as a pastor. And, you know, you got the whole preacher's kid deal. And, yeah, I think about my kids. And, yeah, I think about your kids. I think about, you know, that here, a man who has really given so much and now is dealing with this. He is trying to use it for good, to shine the light on mental illness and shine the light on others that are in shadows. But you know it's got to be such a struggle and so painful. So I pray for him. And if we begin to shine the light on those people in the shadows, the oppressed, the brokenhearted, I mean, we're going to have temptation. We're going to face persecution from an enemy who doesn't want that to happen and wants us to be about ourselves and wants us to train wreck our lives. So we have to have the family of the church. We have to have the body of Christ to be united because Jesus is about others and he wants us to be about others. And if I could say it, I'm very proud of our own church because... We did this just yesterday. Uh, under the leadership of Emily Brazel, uh, there is a, a meals ministry. Uh, many of you ladies were there at our property yesterday cooking from, you know, 8 to 12. Uh, I went in with Ethan for a bit, and Linda said, you know, do not get in their way. You know, they got their order, so I was, I was trying to get in the way, but, man, it was, uh, it was awesome. It was really awesome to see. It's about 20 ladies cooking, 230 meals, uh, calling it Feed the Need, being in ministry, and as I was thinking about my sermon, what y'all did brought another verse to mind. It's Isaiah 61, 6. Here it says, You shall be called priests of the Lord. You shall be named ministers of our God. I don't know if all you ladies think of yourselves as ministers. I don't know if you think of yourselves as priests. Uh, but what you did yesterday and what you will continue to do is, is a priestly function. It is a, it's a great indicator. It's a great example of as you go. I'm taking time out of your day to doing what many of you do so well in cooking and preparing and organizing and saying we, we got these meals to feed needs both in our church family and outside our church family. And I mean it was just, I, I keep saying this, but it's a wonderful example of someone saying, you know, hey I have this idea, there are needs, we can meet them. And again, under Emily's leadership, organizing Y'all together and doing it. So hey, give a shout out to these ladies, please. I mean, y'all may, y'all may not know. And I know the ladies like, you know, didn't want that. But really, and that's something we need to celebrate. And it's a way to be priests and to be ministers. 
And then one other verse in Isaiah 61, verse 10. It says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God. I thought about this with calling, with making a culture, with your life, with your life now, with the choices that you make. Your whole being exulting in God. Your, your whole being rejoicing. Look, I'll be honest, I don't do that. But I want to. And I know probably all of y'all don't do that. But when Christ is born in our heart, when we're saved, when this thing called sanctification, theological word here, but growth in Christ begins, I do believe that can be the end result. I do believe you can live your life, whether you're in Fonda or Northeast Jackson or Madison, or, to exalt our God in every, every aspect, every detail, every work, every service. And that's what I'm going for. That's what we sang about. Give our heart to you, God. Give our life to you, God. Now, the pushback, if I were y'all, I would say, but what about, like, my needs? You know? I mean, I got needs, too. Uh, I got needs. I, I need money, you might say. I need a new job. I need a new career. I need a life change. I need a new marriage. I need a marriage shakeup. I got needs. And that's great. You're talking about making a culture. And uh, that's great about exalting God. But, you know, I just ain't there. And help me with my needs. Some of you are like, amen. Here's the deal. We have needs. But Jesus is supposed to change us. Actually supposed to change the desires of our heart. Where it's no longer about us, but it is about others. And ultimately for him. And you say, that's great, I've heard that in church. Well, hear this. At the end of our life, on our deathbed, we will not be thinking about uh, either how much money we made or how much money we could make uh, or how great our career was uh, or so many of the needs that we need today. We'll be thinking about our relationship with God and where that stands because we know we're about to face him. And we'll think, be thinking about our relationships with those that we love the most, whether family or children or friends. You know, my grandfather, the Lord called him on at 57. 57. Uh, cancer, lung cancer. His wife was called home at 51. So both, you know, grandparents, both my dad's parents, gone way too soon. And I remember, uh, maybe it was on his last day or day before his last day, my granddad was a businessman, started a small business, uh, ran it, uh, loved people, was natural salesman, all of that. But he said this, and I will, I'll never forget it, I always remember it. He said, I've spent my life on his, on his deathbed, in the bed he never left. I said, I've spent my life searching for that pot of gold. He said, I'm realizing it's, it's been here all along. The people that were in that hospital room. His kids, his grandkids. So, we, you know, we can conceptually talk about, you know, either for ourselves or for others. We get real and we think about that time. We know what our life will be about. Why not start now? Don't wait till, don't wait till you're about to face God. 
There's time, and time matters, and your life matters, and you can start today being about the other people, both in your family, in your, those you love the most, and then your neighbor too, which is why I wanted to highlight the Feed the Need, because these are about you know, neighbors. These are about others, and that's who Jesus calls us to be. And then last, we can be about others, but you know, sometimes people are about others without being for Jesus. You may not know what I'm talking about, but what I mean is that, you know, people can be about, yeah, I want to help other people, I want to, I want to do good, but ultimately, it's about Him. It's about His kingdom. And I want to read one passage, and a couple of the verses will be up on screen. So the choice is, are we about His kingdom? And, you know, in our, our mission statement, we say, raise the kingdom. You know, what is that? And when you say, be about his kingdom, be for his kingdom, what, what are you talking about? I mean, how do I live my life? How do I live as I go? How do I, how do I work and, like, be for his kingdom? His kingdom is believing in a reality that began in Jesus with the cross and the resurrection, is growing through his church, and that we, you, are part of. Here we see the end in Revelation 21. And I'm going to read 1 through 7, verse 5 through 7. should be up on screen. But Revelation 21, John, the apostle, says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who is seated on the throne, that's Jesus, said, See, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this. For these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of life. Those who conquer will inherit these things. I will be their God and they will be my children. There we see the kingdom of God literally coming to earth. The heavens and the earth united. But what I want to highlight Jesus says, I am making all things new. And if there's a starting point for you, or if there, you say, man, I need a place to start, he can make your life new today. You may be worried about these needs. You may be about your name. You may be about yourself. Jesus is on the throne. And he says, I am making all things new. And sometimes, you know, some folks would say, I, um, you know, I don't really get the creation. Jesus can create a new life in any of y'all today. And that gives evidence that he created the heavens and the earth. He can create our hearts anew. He is creating this world anew. He says, I will give to the thirsty the water of life. And when we think about baptism, we think about the woman at the well. We are all thirsty And we try to quench our thirst through all these other things. And Jesus says, I have the water. Come to me. It's it's my name. I will make your, your life more purposeful and more meaningful and more fulfilled. 
And all you just have to do is start. Start where you are, with your work, with your family. Be about my name, the water of Christ. And then he goes on and says, those who conquer, conquer, conquer sin, maybe conquer themselves, those who conquer, said, I will be their God, they will be my children. The past month, we've been talking about your work, but more so we've been talking about your life. We've been talking about maybe a youth, maybe in high school. You're focused, you know, maybe, I don't know, homecoming, you know, or making a team, football, baseball. Uh, you may be here single, and the biggest need is thinking, like, am I going to get married? Am I, am I going to be wait, waiting too long? Uh, it may be a marriage that you think is just, you know, just hit the bricks and just, you may be done. It may be a job you may be done with. I mean, the word that we want to give, but it's not really our word. I mean, the Bible's inerrant. Pastors aren't inerrant. The word we want to give is the word of Scripture that Jesus says, I'm making all things new. Can begin today a new life with a new purpose, with new meaning in him. I don't know where you are in your life. And... You know, we come to church and we do the deal. But we so, and I say we, I mean our staff, leaders, we want to see lives changed. We want to see people say, man, I'm not going to be about myself anymore. I'm going to be for others because that's Jesus' kingdom. We pray for that. But we have to trust the Holy Spirit. So my prayer today is that, man, just you'd, you'd look at your heart. You'd say, Jesus, melt it. And you'd start over, and you'd start new. Not on our will, not on our skills, not on our gifts, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's come to save. He's come to save you. He's come to change your life. He's come to take your life. He is on the throne, and even when we look at our world with all the craziness, He is still on the throne. We want Him to be on the throne of your heart to change it. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, may we as a church uh, be a culture that is about other people for your kingdom. It's, it is always a struggle because the human heart can always be selfish. And I pray you destroy that. Uh, destroy it in me, first off. Destroy it in, in leadership. And may we see that the greater purpose, the greater mission is in Jesus for him. Thank you for these people I know their hurts, uh, I know their challenges, and I know uh, many of them, what they got going on. I pray they'd let go and let Jesus, and I pray that you, your Holy Spirit would be in working in their life to change it day by day, and they would rely on you. In Jesus' name, amen.